Welcome to the British Chamber of Commerce in Taipei's podcast, hosted by me, Steve Parker. This is a series that brings a fresh perspective to leadership, motivation, and how to succeed by talking to a diverse range of CEOs, business managers, and world-class talent. And today I'm going to be talking to someone who is definitely in that world-class talent category. As well as, uh, we're going to be offering some personal tips to help you in your career. Each episode aims to provide a snapshot into the life and the philosophy of some of Taiwan's most successful leaders, and to find out more about why leadership matters. This week, we welcome Tom Firefield. He's currently a generalist at Taiwan's Employment Gold Card Office. It's a commission designed to provide high-quality resources and management to support gold card applicants and holders. It's got, uh, they have wide consultation with companies, with community groups, fueling the program's continued development, and Tom has been integral in building this. He's also a certified genius, basically. He worked at CERN in Europe um, as a computing expert, putting together programs that were allowing physicists to build the data sharing programs that they needed to share their data. He, uh, he graduated from a university in Melbourne, so he shares an accent with me. And I've always been struck by his ability to go in, build groups and communities. And we're very lucky to have you here today. So thanks for joining us, Tom. Thanks so much for having me. Wow. And you're going to have to live up to that now, indeed, aren't you? Indeed, indeed. If there were three words that you thought other people would use to describe you, what would those three words be? Well, you've already uh, touched on the particle physics. That's uh, a fun one. Uh, I'm a trail runner, and uh, I'm Australian Taiwanese. That's right. You're actually uh, you have a Taiwanese passport. That's correct. Yes, which is an unusual thing uh, in Taiwan. I know that uh, getting nationality is something that uh, requires some some effort. Indeed, yes. It's a little bit of a different micro, uh, migration pathway to that that we're used to in Australia. Mm, mm. What we're talking about today is more about this kind of leadership aspect. And I, I, I've given you a set of questions, I know. And I'm going to go off those now. <laughs> because what I really wanted to talk to you, Tom, about was this thing that I mentioned at the beginning, at the introduction, was this idea of building communities. You are part of the next generation. You're still, strictly speaking, you're part of a young professionals community group that I know of. Um, you're part of the Young Professionals Committee at the British Chamber of Commerce, where I'm working. Maybe just tell me, how do you go about building a community of people where you're not actually, if you like, in a position of authority? Absolutely. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite a skill. That's my uh, secret superpower is getting people to work for me for free, uh, even when uh, they have their own bosses and their own jobs. Uh, and I think it's really important when you're working with communities to understand the motivations of your different members uh, because each member of the community will have a different reason for participating in that community. They'll all have common threads that tie them together but some people will be motivated into working to support the community by a fancy title. Other people might be altruists and just believing in the mission and identifying those motivations and then tailoring responses and, and uh, you know, support to, to match those motivations is, is how you can really engage people into uh, constructively uh, contributing to a community. So one of the reasons that we are talking about this idea of leadership matters is because we really think it does. Uh, but leadership is changing. This idea of understanding what people's motivations are, yeah. I think this is a fascinating one. Yeah. How do you go about kind of drilling down into the motivations of human beings yeah. and getting them head towards the direction that you want to go and actually just finding out what those motivations are. Absolutely. So I feel like uh, one of the 
powerful things uh, that helps people head in the same direction is building consensus and having open discussions and uh, creating an environment in which those discussions can happen and people feel comfortable participating in them. And I think the key thing that that I always harp on about uh, in in, uh, communities is, is context is really important. It's important to understand the business environment you're in if you're in a business community. It's important to understand the cultural environment if you're working in an international community. And all of those other little things that uh, make people behave the, the way that they do. We see a lot of, uh, well, not a lot, but we see still some traditional styles of management, whether it be in education or whether it be in companies. Yeah. You know, don't question, do what I tell you. Right? And if you come back with some sort of response where you question it, you, often your career can actually be hampered by questioning the leadership that is in place. Indeed. How do you as a leader feel about people who question you? Yeah. So I actually personally relish that, but I also understand that uh, a, a lot of managers definitely don't uh, respond to that in the same way. And I think uh, when, when you are in a leadership position, it's important to look at the people that you're leading and, and working out how do they uh, prefer to communicate. Because at the end of the day, you, you really rely on the people in your community or your organization to uh, do their jobs or, or, or uh, actually uh, perform work that's constructive for the community. And uh, I think the what, what you hinted at is the cross-cultural managerial differences. Absolutely an excellent topic. And I highly recommend uh, a book called The Culture Map by Professor Erin Meyer. She's a professor at a business school called INSEAD. And inside that book is uh, a bunch of really practical advice and amusing anecdotes about managing cross-cultures. Just thinking about those differences, uh, such as you discussed, the uh, uh, response to feedback, which is uh, not just a manager-employee uh, thing to consider, it's also between employees and, and how you get people in the team to give feedback to each other. This touches on something that we spoke about in one of the earlier podcasts, where people were talking about this idea of building teams. Yeah. In the IT world, you probably experience this more than in many other places. Well, yes, we have a very interesting case study uh, there uh, in, he, he, here with us in Taiwan. So, for example, uh, Google purchased part of uh, mobile device maker HTC. HTC having a very traditional management structure similar to many Taiwanese companies and Google coming from the Silicon Valley, move fast and break things culture. And merging those two attitudes together, of course, uh, uh, will create conflict and need a lot of work uh, to, to try and sort that out. And I think that uh, because uh, the software development process is inherently collaborative. It's very rare these days that you are a single engineer uh, working by yourself. Uh, even if you are working by yourself, you're using software from other people. And how do you collaborate with those people? Uh, it's definitely something that everyone needs to think about. Tom, let's come back a little bit now. So you and I know each other through the development of the Young Professionals uh, Committee. Yes, as yes. part of the British Chamber of Commerce that we've uh, been working together. Yeah. And we've been working together on that committee for some time. And I remember I told people always that when you came in and uh, took over that committee, I, I jokingly said, I want you to prepare a report and build this thing into something. <laughs> I and, do uh, remember this. Yeah. And you came back to me with a 27-page document <laughs> outlining all of the kind of goals and motivations and all the, thing, all the reasons why we should be helping to develop the next generation. 
How important do you think that this idea, you know, building this kind of pre-consensus and pre-agreement is for, for leadership? Well, uh, definitely leaders need a platform generally. Uh, you, if you're going to be a visionary, you need to have a vision. Uh, and so it's, it's about finding that balance between there being enough substance available that people can see it and follow it with the ability for them to contribute and also shape that vision in, in their own direction. So uh, I think that's uh, where a lot of communities uh, uh, start and fail. If you start with too much pre-planning and too much definition, communities can feel artificial. Uh, the best communities are the ones that feel organic, they feel natural. And uh, that comes from that early leadership combined with uh, getting the ideas from the entire cohort uh, who want to participate in that community. How do you go about getting that consensus then? Well, uh, the, the vision is, is, is throwing a dart at the board, right? You may not get it right first time, and uh, I think it's uh, when you go out and speak with people about the vision that you find out how uh, perfect it is, and often the initial vision is imperfect. And so I think the, the key thing uh, that you can look for is if you find someone who is able to explain the vision back to you. The, the real success moment happens when you've got a bunch of people in a room and you've been leading a discussion and then all of a sudden you just step back and the discussion keeps going and people keep bouncing off each other and it's no longer up to you to drive people. The, the uh, organic discussion moment has, has happened. And I think with leadership, and I know as a leader I know I suffer from this, we all have ego. I think this ego gets in the way of a lot of people being good leaders. I wondered if you had any thoughts on that. Definitely. I mean, there's that old uh, adage which says uh, that the people who want to lead are often the least qualified. And uh, I, I feel that, uh, th though that's amusing, uh, it can in some cases be true. I, I feel that uh, th this idea of servant leadership where uh, your job as, as the leader is to create the environment in which success can happen, where, where employees are able to uh, feel like all of their needs are being met, they agree with the vision, they understand what they're working towards and they know how to collaborate uh, with each other and know that if anything goes wrong there will be support for them there. Uh, so I, I think it is uh, admirable when uh, you know, highly qualified individuals can just be in a corner doing their job quietly and, and silently and uh, if, if uh, there are people who are motivated by having the fancy title uh, and, and it makes them work better, that, that's cool. You can give it to them. Uh, it's, it's just part of uh, your bag of management techniques. But this, this idea uh, that the only way to get to the top of the company and get higher and higher salaries uh, is to be a manager of an increasing number of people day-to-day uh, -day management of direct employees. Uh, I, I think that that's something that's worth looking at. Amazing. There's a couple of things I really want to ask you. You talked about being a runner. You talked about uh, this being important to you. You know, is there something special? You know, do you do something that kind of gets you into the mode of being in the day? Definitely. So we talked before about context, and I'm a big believer in understanding context. So the first thing I do when I get up is read the news. But my approach might be a little bit strange because I read the local news, I read the international headlines, 
that's probably pretty normal up to that point. But because I work on many international projects, I also try and read the local news in the places where my staff or my collaborators or my business partners are. Because if you can understand that, oh, there was a terrible crash on that freeway uh, or there's been a natural disaster over there or actually uh, there was a a fantastic result in the sporting match for that national team, you can use that uh, to have uh, more nuanced conversations with the people that uh, you're working with. And that I always find interesting just to try and get out of your shell and see what people elsewhere are, are considering important. So the first thing you do when you wake up is you reach for your phone, I guess. But how do you access the news? Uh, Yeah, so I uh, use Google News, which is a news aggregator. So when you look at a particular headline story, you have the ability to read it uh, from multiple sources. And I think that's important, particularly in our day and age where there's a lot of discussion about bias in news. So that's, that's my morning routine. Tell me a little bit about uh, the Young Professionals program that you've been working on with the British Chamber of Commerce. I know it's been something that's been important to you and you've been the head of that committee. Tell me about a little bit about that and about why you think it's something that's important to do. Absolutely. So if there is anyone who's listening uh, who is either early career or maybe a few jobs into their career, please come to the BCCT Young Professionals program. It's uh, an absolutely fantastic series of events There's uh, excellent mentorship, places to grow your skills. We use the full resources of the British Chamber of Commerce uh, to help uh, improve young people's lives and accelerate their career trajectory. And uh, I think that's incredibly important. It's important for organizations like the British Chamber of Commerce that uh, represents British business interests in Taiwan and and, uh, also Taiwanese interests in the UK. It's important for the young people here in Taiwan uh, to have that avenue to be a bit more connected internationally. And it's just just, uh, great to see the mentorship that you have from senior business leaders in the community who are very willing to share their time with these uh, folks who are just starting out on their journey. And uh, we've heard many, many fantastic stories uh, about the learnings that have happened uh, in this humble program. Wonderful. I've really enjoyed talking with you today, Tom. It's been amazing. And I've just, I've kind of made notes as we've gone through about some of the kind of the, the really interesting areas that we've covered. Your, your leadership style can be summed up in, a, and coincidentally, nearly all of these words start with a letter C. It's just amazing. We've got this idea of consensus, of context, building a culture map, creating an environment, getting contribution from everyone, and ultimately working in a collaborative way. Do you think that would be a fair way to sum up kind of some of the stuff that you've been talking about today? Oh, that's, that's a fantastic summary. And wow, I think you could put uh, some marketing shim on that and start selling talks, I think. We will be selling the, uh, the book of the Leadership Matters podcast <laughs> very soon. Um, Tom, as always, it's great to talk to you. And uh, thanks very much for coming in today. Thanks so much for having me. In our next episode, we'll be speaking to Jimbo Clark and Florian Rustler, who are two experts in HR and have spent a lot of their time helping and facilitating companies in the very topics that we talk about in Leadership Matters. And of course, you can listen to this podcast on the ICRT website, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for British Chamber of Commerce in Taipei. You can also check out our social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, or you can head to our website, www.bcctaipei.com. We'll see you next time. Thank you.